Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out and make sure you subscribed. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Guy Relford in for Big Nige. And let's go to the drive, Hubler.com hotline, and bring on Kevin Bowen. He's from our sister sports station, 107.5 The Fan, does the morning show, Kevin and Query. KB, on one hand, it was kind of nice not to have a Colts game yesterday. As fans, we didn't have to stress. We didn't have to yell. Our blood pressure was down. But then... Just when you think there's a chance that this horrible team could get into first place, Carson Wentz screws you over one more time. <laughs> you know, as much as some things change, they just stay the same. I felt like I was watching the end of a game last season, albeit in a different color uniform with Wentz throwing that pick against Tennessee right at the goal line. I thought this was an unbelievable tweet. I got hammer. I, I tweeted out for right after that play that, you know, Carson Wentz continues to kill the Colts in the clutch. And someone responded, well, there goes one of the highlights they could have put on the thank you for the memories video coming up here in a few <laughs> weeks when, when the Colts host the commander. So, right. yeah, Tennessee heads their bye week. The Colts are a half game back at Tennessee. And then, obviously, it's a huge one because Jacksonville is Sunday, but then they'll go to Tennessee next week after losing to both those teams earlier in the season. So if Washington, whatever they're called now, the commanders, the commies, whatever, if they're able to score from first and goal at basically the one-yard line, the Colts are in first place. As bad as the Colts have been, they're in first place because Jacksonville lost yesterday. But Carson Wentz throws that pick in the end zone. And here the Colts are with a lot of teams with two wins. Man, I'm looking around the league, Kevin. It feels like everybody, for the most part, has like two or three wins. Like the parity in the NFL this year is wild. Yeah, and again, it's a league that's kind of driven by a lot of that parity. But I would agree. I mean, Look at the two divisions the Colts are playing this year, outside of their own, of course. They're playing the AFC West and the NFC East. At the start of the year, I think we all thought the AFC West was really a division unlike anything we've, we've ever seen. Well, here are the Colts 2-0 and against that division. The Colts play the NFC East. I thought that would be a division that would be very manageable this season. And you've got the Giants at 4-1 and beating Green Bay and London yesterday. Philly's the only undefeated team in the league at 5-0. and and then Dallas, with a backup quarterback, is 4-1. and one, And Cooper Rush, their backup, has started four games this season. So, uh, yeah, it's wild how it's played out. Like you said, 2-2-1 two, two and one, the Colts. But, you know, when you look at the 20 quarters they've played this season, like throughout the two overtimes, I mean, they were the superior team in maybe a handful of those quarters. And I think that's where you look at 2-2-1 two, two and one and you think, God bless the AFC South. But when you compare that to kind of other teams in the league, this doesn't feel as good. Right. There's no rational Colts fan that can look at this team and feel good about being this close to first place. There's a lot of flaws here. Um, so let's kind of go down the list. Let's start with the offensive line. A lot of money invested in this offensive line. And I know Denver's defense is good, but when I watched that game Thursday, this reminded me of some of those early 90s Colts offensive lines where, I mean, the quarterback would drop back, and the minute that he took the snap, there was somebody ready to put a hit on him. There's a lot of money invested here. It's not working. You know, Simply Hammer, the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL is broken. I mean, that's, that's where you're at, and it's a shocking statement to make on October 10th, but that's where the Colts are at right now. I mean, if you're going to ask me, all right, Kevin, here's a depth chart for Sunday. Pencil in who you think is going to be the offensive line. 
I would only feel confident in really putting Quentin Nelson at left guard. Um, I assume Braden Smith will be the right tackle, but everything else is so much uh, up in the air. Um, it, it's not really an injury situation either. Like you haven't hit, you know, injuries on the O line yet, which I think is even a little bit more nerve wracking because it is a group that gets beat up a whole lot. But I mean, last Thursday, six sacks. I think the group was penalized six times as well. You know, Matt Ryan was under siege, and then when he did have time, you know, he he made a couple of egregious mistakes, and, and I think that's a concern right now. Is you know, somebody can go glass half full and say, well, the O-line was supposed to be a strength, so eventually it'll get back to that. But again, the broken element, I, I, three, four guys, like I, it's so up in the air on what you even do at the end of this week. It's going to take the, the new group to build chemistry together. Then what happens when you hit you know, injuries to that group? Um, so, so many questions right now, and it's a big reason why you're the worst scoring offense in the NFL. And the tackle position on an offensive line, left tackle and then right tackle, so important to what you want to do as an offense. It's a mess. I mean, they're just playing musical chairs right now. Kevin, is there any circumstance at all that the $20 million man, Quentin Nelson, might be asked to play a little left tackle? You know, I really don't think he wants to. And obviously I can hear people say, you know, you're paid $20 million, you'll do – you know, what we want you to do or what we need you to do. But I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. I watched Quentin Nelson in college. He wasn't a left tackle there. Typically, you see a lot of guys play tackle in college, transition to guard in the NFL. That's not been something he's done. Um, And as much as I think that could be on the table, there's also the question of, well, are you making two positions worse then? And some might argue, well, you can't get any worse at left tackle than you already are. But, you know, are you taking away, you know, your best left guard and now making that position weaker? So there are no easy answers, Hammer to it whatsoever i think they really miss jack doyle i know we don't talk a lot about that but i think doyle is a great great blocker i think he's missed um certainly so um, until you get that issue solved and the team you're playing this sunday jacksonville they hit matt ryan 11 times in week two they sacked him five times you know they're gonna try and get after him again it's gonna be the thing that kind of holds this team back from just being a better scoring offense they've gone seven straight games with 20 points or fewer that is the longest streak for this franchise since 1993 um that is a historical historical note for a franchise that's used to scoring at a really high level jacksonville coming into town this sunday uh, another big divisional game the last time the colts played the jags just a couple weeks ago they went down to jacksonville and laid a complete egg shut out and embarrassed in every aspect of this game so let's talk about matt ryan has this been a regression compared to Carson Wentz just a year ago. We opened up this break, Kevin, kind of making fun of uh, Carson Wentz throwing that pick in the end zone that allowed the Titans to win the game. But honestly, you look at what's happened with Matt Ryan this year. Has this been a step back compared to a year ago? You know, it has in one area, and that's the turnovers. I mean, I point back to Thursday. Those interceptions were egregious, clean pockets. I mean, he, he – you know, easily could have thrown the ball away, checked the ball down, forced the ball into two situations that ended one scoring drive for you, one potential scoring drive, and then set up Denver with a great opportunity for for another scoring drive. So that, I think, is the concern. I mean, there's other elements of Ryan's game that you like. Obviously, the end-of-game situations, he's really put you in great spots to come back. Granted, you've had to come back because of his turnovers that have put you in that spot. Um, The fumble numbers, 11 on the year, seven interceptions. Uh, Carson Wentz threw seven all last season. It's just, it's so alarming to me, Hammer, because the stuff he's doing just seems like 
dumb mistakes. And you would think a 15-year vet wouldn't fall into that. Like when Wentz had his turnovers last year, it was, you know, Houdini trying to keep plays alive, things like that. These mistakes are just stuff you'd expect from a rookie quarterback, not from a 15-year vet. Uh, Kevin Bowen covers not only the Colts, but pretty much all things sports-related for 107.5 The Fan. We had some news out of Bloomington and the football program. Uh, Tom Allen, the head coach of the Hoosiers, has fired their offensive line coach. So since we're talking about bad offensive lines, let's talk about the Hoosiers. (laughs) Is this a big deal, KB? Well, I, I think it is because, first off, it's a move that needed to happen in January. Um, and you've cost yourself so much of the season and keeping Darren Hiller around there. Because the offensive line, if you're going to talk about competent position groups Indiana has had, it has been that over the years. They've actually produced some NFL guys. I look at it, though, and think, is this the Tom Allen scapegoat for this season? You know, is this the move that, you know, Scott Dolson looks at and says, okay, this is the major issue. We're going to keep Tom Allen around. And now the offensive line is going to get cleaned up. That's kind of how um, – I view this 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 move. Is Tom on the hot seat down in Indiana? Because he got a pretty big extension after that COVID year where Indiana seemingly played above their heads and everybody was fired up and they thought, oh, this is going to be our guy. And they gave him a big money extension. Is he on the hot seat now? Um, I think he should be, but I don't think he is. I think the buyout, like you mentioned, is a little bit too much. Obviously, um, you know, financially what you've done with Archie Miller and Mike Mike Woodson, I think, has to be factored in. I, I don't think he is. Now, if this totally tailspins and they lose out, maybe. But I don't think uh, I don't think he is. Meanwhile, on the other side, you've got Purdue, who seems like they've put themselves in a pretty good position to make a run in that Big Ten Western side. Now, keep in mind, the Western half of the Big Ten doesn't feature Michigan or Ohio State or some of your major players here, but it's a down year for Wisconsin and some of these other squads. Purdue's managed to win a couple games. They've put themselves in a good spot, haven't they? I think they're the Big Ten West favorite. I mean, for what Purdue did the last two weeks going on the road, you know, winning at Minnesota, winning at Maryland, finding ways to finish those games. I mean, with what happened with Penn State to start the season at Syracuse, you know, a few weeks later, finishing games was the issue. I mean, you look at Purdue through the first three, three and a half quarters, they could easily be undefeated right now. It's wide open. It's them, Illinois, and Nebraska, two and one right now. But I really think Purdue is the Big Ten West favorite. I think they'll have the best quarterback on the field in pretty much every game they play the rest of the year. And I think they could very well be at Lucas Oil Stadium come December in the Big Ten title. I know it's, you know, human nature to do Monday morning quarterback stuff here, but if you just run the ball against Penn State, if you don't have (laughs) stupid penalties against Syracuse, you're right. This team could be undefeated and knocking on the door of maybe a top 10, top 15 ranking. And and that's the issue now is now your margin for error shrunk. So the Maryland game, the Minnesota games, you know, Saturday at at, at Ross-Aid, those are the games you just can't slip up because it's such a compacted Big Ten West and you don't have that margin for error from what happened with Penn State and Syracuse earlier in the year. So if we want more coverage, how do we find it, my friend? Yeah, 1075thefan.com has got all your written coverage. And then as you let off with uh, Kevin and Query each morning on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan, 7 to 10 a.m. KB, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Hammer. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7 on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.